Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Have you joined our travel club yet? Well, what are you waiting for? The website is TravelingCulturati.com. We go to some fantastic places and we travel with some wonderful people. So what better way to see the world with a fellow Culturati? Go to the website, TravelingCulturati.com and sign up for the Travel Club. Well, spring has sprung and we're getting ready for spring flings and things to prepare us for the travel season. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. But right now... I've got travel news. After slowly climbing back to normal, we can expect that summer 2023 is going to be the biggest season of travel we've seen in years. Maybe even ever, Americans are certainly coming out of the woodwork and we're traveling well because some of us have been on hiatus for a few years some people still haven't traveled since the pandemic and are coming back this year also most of your covid related travel restrictions and protocols are gone so what can we expect for the 2023 summer travel season from last summer to thanksgiving and christmas of last year spring break and then all of those other peak travel periods in between the numbers keep getting higher and higher from previous years and even reaching and in some cases surpassing the 2019 or pre-pandemic numbers so it's set to be the first full year of normal travel since the pandemic which means a busy busy travel season this summer now despite higher costs on just about everything airfares are up i can attest to that gas prices are up even as we talk about a looming recession we're really just at the point where we've prioritized travel and coming out of that pandemic and most are saying and i quote we gave up travel for years and saved money so we're going somewhere this year (laughs) so as that calendar reaches the peak summer travel months we're talking about june july and august don't be surprised if you're going to see it, especially at the airports. So here's what you can expect at the airports and on planes, longer lines for bags and security. As more travelers will be flocking to the airports this summer, they'll get funneled through that same system that we all know, TSA checkpoints. Now the head of Transportation Security Administration has said the agency is staffing up this year, but it's clear there will still be a lot of movement and more so than what has been dealt with in the recent years. TSA peak times are Sundays, Mondays, and weekend mornings. Those are the busiest periods for TSA. So that's just kind of a heads up that if you're going during those times, you wanna give yourself a little extra time. But it's not just the security checkpoints. We're also seeing long lines at the luggage drop-off, you know, the newer systems now where you check in online and or at the kiosk at the airport you get your luggage tag you tag your bag yourself but then you have to hand it off to the airline and stand in that luggage drop-off line i've even seen long before summer now those lines are getting longer and longer and consider that Everyone's traveling right now, for the most part, are leisure travelers. That means families, families with children, people who don't travel and fly as much as your business traveler. Because business travelers, they know the deal, right? It's a well-oiled machine. One, they usually carry on bags, no checked bags. Two, they have it down to a science or they have TSA pre-check and all of these things. So they know how to get through those lanes a lot quicker. Certainly before the pandemic, one of the things that I used to always do, especially even at TSA pre-check, because 
Some people are randomly selected for TSA pre-check, but even if I don't have it, I look for the person in the suit and the briefcase or the business looking backpack because I know they're going to get through that lane very quickly and I make sure that I get behind them. And I consider myself one of those travelers. I'm a seasoned traveler, so I know the routine. I travel light. I know what to wear, what not to wear, so forth and so on. But here's something else you really want to brace yourself for. More disruptions. Remember this past Christmas and the huge meltdown we had with Southwest Airlines? They weren't the only airline, but they had the biggest meltdown. And that's why we're talking about them. But the other legacy carriers, Delta, American Airlines, United, they had disruptions too because we had weather delays and all of those things. And then we had a backlog and this kind of domino effect of delays and cancellations, but certainly by far Southwest had the biggest, it was really called a catastrophic meltdown in December. But with travel numbers exceeding even pre-pandemic numbers and airlines and airports are still trying to get people back to work, you can expect some disruptions. And especially if you throw in what we know is inevitable, a weather delay, especially during the summer, you have summer storms, you know that this can wreak havoc on airline scheduling. So one of the things you definitely want to do is start earlier in the day. Again, that last flight out, even though I've flown on it a time or two, I only pick it if it's unavoidable. Never pick that last flight out of the day because if flights are delayed, Throughout the day, chances are that flight may get canceled. Not definitely, but it may get canceled. So you want to book as early as possible. Monitor different apps. FlightAware is one. Flighty is another one. And ready to call it quits after a cancellation. Just know that the airline can give you a refund. They've made some changes there too. So not just a travel credit, but a refund. But definitely get the airline's app so that you can get immediate information. So many times I've been at the airport and there has been a flight delay and or cancellation. And because I have the airline app, I get the notification before they make the announcement at the gate. So it kind of gives you a leg up and you can reschedule ahead of the masses doing that. The lounges are also packed. I've been seeing this actually since the pandemic. The airlines and credit card companies have been offering a lot of incentives for people to travel again. And one of those incentives is access to airport lounges. Now, a lot of people have these perks and you're finding the lounges are packed, both domestic and international. You might also find that if they're too packed, they may not accept non-airline visitors, meaning if you have a pass or if you have access granted by another source to that particular one, you may be denied. So make sure that you're aware of that before you head in. There will also be fewer flights to New York and Washington, D.C. Citing air traffic control issues at some of the country's busiest airports, federal regulators are encouraging airlines to reduce their flights into three major New York area airports and Washington, D.C. This will happen from May 15 to September 15. So you can expect some crowded flights because you're going to have fewer flights. United Airlines says that it is looking at some of its routes where it is reducing the number of flights, but it is replacing some of the planes with larger planes so that they can accommodate more travelers per plane. And then, of course, Europe. Europe, everyone is going to Europe this year. The top destinations, and this is based on travel searches online, are London, Cancun, Paris, Orlando, Rome. New York is there, Las Vegas, Tokyo, Seattle, and Miami. But certainly transatlantic flights are at the top of the list. You can consider London, Paris, Rome, and Zurich are the top ones. So the bottom line is 2023 for summer travel is going to be big. Just how big, we don't know yet. And let's see how the airlines manage everything. Are you a Maxwell fan? You know, the performing artist Maxwell? He has announced a new Las Vegas residency. It's going to be a limited engagement and it'll kick off this August. It'll be August 9, 11, and 12. General tickets have already gone on sale and he's set to release Black Summer's Night, the final album of Black Summer's Night trilogy that he started in 2009. 
the Las Vegas residency. It will be titled Night, the trilogy show. Okay, and I have to ask you this and be honest with yourself. This isn't a situation where you have to raise your hand or I can see you. So be honest with yourself. Did you go to Freetnik? Come on, you can tell us. <laughs> well, Hulu is creating a documentary about Atlanta's Freetnik. Yes, the release date has not been announced yet, but if you were there and you don't want people to know, well, you just might appear on the documentary. <laughs> not really sure. But I have to tell you, I saw the funniest meme on social media that said all of you folks who are worried about what may be exposed of you through this documentary, Atlanta's Freetnik, well, don't worry because many of you have gained a lot of weight and you don't look like you did back then. Hilarious. Sorry, folks, but I didn't make it up. It was the meme that I saw on social media. But the Hulu documentary will be dubbed Freetnik. The wildest party never told. It'll recount the rise and fall of what started as a small Atlanta HBCU picnic. Then it exploded in the 1990s into an influential street party that brought in hundreds of thousands of people to Atlanta from all across the United States. And it expanded into events like dance contests, concerts, parties, sporting events, rap sessions, and even job fairs. So its peak was 94 and 95. In 96, the city actively cracked down on party activities on public streets. And by the late 1990s, Freaknik was gone. Its founder, Sharon Toomer, said that she was disappointed by what it became. Its original purpose was to be an annual event to encourage camaraderie between historically black colleges. And it was a rare opportunity for black college students to get together. But as we said, it has changed. Atlanta rap legend and producer Jermaine Dupri is one of the executive producers for the documentary along with Luther Campbell of Two Live Crew fame. The showrunner is Geraldine Porras, who previously worked on W. Kamal Bell's CNN series, United Shades of America. Hmm, so stay tuned for that. Hulu, Freaknik, the wildest party never told. Now, if you're a cruiser, one of the world's largest cruise ships is returning to service. Royal Caribbean's Symphony of the Seas will emerge from a scheduled dry dock and return to service on April 16. The cruise ship will begin a series of seven-day cruises around the Mediterranean from Barcelona, Spain. Cruises will also have the option of embarking in Civitavecchia. Yes, the week-long cruises will visit Palma de Mallorca, Marseille, La Spezia, and Civitavecchia, and in Naples. Symphony of the Seas will sail in Europe until the end of 2023, and then they'll have some schedule and route changes going into the fall and winter months, as well as in 2024. The ship will start to home port in the New York City area sailing week-long cruises to Florida, the Bahamas, and the Caribbean. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, executive producer Jean Harley is going to join me with all things spring for our spring fling. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com. And don't forget to join the Travel Club. You know, Advantage International is turning 25 and we're celebrating in a very big way with a privately chartered yacht that's going to sail from Split to Dubrovnik, Croatia, a fabulous destination and only 17 cabins on board. So a very exclusive trip with cooking classes, wine tastings. And again, it's all ours, July 28th through August 6th. The website is travelingculturati.com. Sign up for the newsletter and also join us as we celebrate our 25th anniversary. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. 
If you want to find out extra ways that you can get discounts that you may not think of, think of memberships. Membership discounts will provide you extra savings when you're traveling like AAA or AARP. If you're a member of those, you get discounts on rental cars, hotel accommodations, and other activities and attractions. Credit cards are a great way to save and to get extra discounts. You get upgrades, membership rewards, and extra discounts on things, maybe like buy one, get one, or get an additional night free at a hotel. Also, if you're out of town, yes, I know the whole travel business is based on people being in from out of town. However, certain places like department stores and restaurants may give you discounts if you're from out of town. Just as you may get an out-of-town discount, residents can get discounts as well for local attractions and hotel accommodations. Government and military, if you are employed by the government, if you are military, active or not, you can still get discounts very much like AAA and AARP, hotels and other attractions, restaurants may offer discounts for military and government. You just simply ask and make sure you have your ID with you. Emergency and healthcare rates. Now, in a large part, a lot of these started with the pandemic period, but a lot are still left there and there were some in place otherwise. So emergency and healthcare workers may qualify for discounts and rates, especially at hotels. Corporate and university rates. Yes, if you work for a large Fortune 500 company, check to see if they have special travel discounts for employees. And that could be locally and globally. The same with universities. You get discounts like student rates, alumni, and also family members can take advantage of that as well. So just make sure you check and see if there's some additional discounts that you can get when you're traveling. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. We are back for another week of travel news, travel tips, and travel chats. And guess what? It is spring. Yes, spring is finally here, although the weather is sometimes yes, sometimes no. Spring has definitely sprung, and we're getting ready for spring flings and things to prepare us for the travel season. Joining me today to help out with the discussion is Gene Harley, executive producer for Traveling Culturati. Hello, Gene, and welcome back. Hi, Javon. Good to be back. Yes, and it is spring. I know you, for one, are very excited about that because you do not like the winter. No, I don't. I really enjoy spring because basically I spend all my time just waiting for it to come. (laughs) I know, and sometimes the calendar says it's here, but the weather doesn't say that it's here. But what we can count on is that warmer days are ahead. So let's talk about some of the top reasons for traveling in the spring or why springtime travel is so great. Well, you came upon the first one. The weather is warmer. You have the opportunity to put away your heavy gear and go out and enjoy the sunlight and the sunshine. You're going to get longer days and comfortable temperatures. Yeah, that's right. The clock has sprung forward. So it's not as dark as early. We have more sunshine throughout the day. But also, yeah, shedding that coat. Nothing's worse than traveling with a big old coat. Mm -hmm. I even avoid it in the wintertime, although I see people schlepping through the airport with these big old coats. And I just figure, what are you going to do with that, especially if you're going to a place that is warm? So yes, the main reason is the weather. You're talking about average temps of low 60s to low 70s. Of course, you know, you can find some places that are going to be a little bit cooler. And we'll talk about that when we're talking about travel tips and how to prepare for spring travel. But my number two reason is fewer crowds wherever you go. That's an important thing to look at also. Make sure you avoid spring break and those people who are traveling for spring break or holidays. But yeah, you definitely hit upon that. The crowds of the summer don't exist as of yet. And the crowds at the winter destinations have all gone home. Yeah. And just think about why it's important. Because some people may think, oh, it's more fun when their crowds are bigger. 
Longer no, lines. That's right. Harder Hi- to get reservations. Higher costs. Higher costs. Mm-hmm. And those longer lines just aren't at like amusement parks and things no. like that. But think about museums and other attractions that you may want to go to. And yes, it may be more difficult to get into that restaurant that you want to get into. And if the restaurant doesn't take reservations, again, that line is very long. So yes, fewer crowds is a huge reason. And even if you're at the pool or if you're at the beach, jockeying for that lounge chair Mm -hmm. around the pool or even at the beach and you're stepping over people is just way too much for me. That's true. And, you know, if you're really into the great outdoors, a lot of things are blooming and everything is changing at this point. And yes, you can go out in the great outdoors, maybe with a jacket, but you don't have to be bogged down with that big coat. You can enjoy the weather, but it's not hot yet. And on top of that, it's a good time because the mosquitoes haven't become aware of you yet. So they're not tracking you down. And spring is beautiful in most places. Everything's just turning green from gray. So it's a great time to tour. Yeah. And to just be outdoors, where in the winter, you're really trying to find the time as soon as you get back indoors because it's cold as heck. That's right. (laughs) But in the spring, you just really want to spend that time out, maybe sitting at an outdoor cafe or enjoying your coffee while you're out walking. Another great thing to do is to take pictures and because things are really coming alive. There are colors coming in. And remember, it's in the States and a number of places, daylight savings time has just kicked in. So you're going to automatically get longer days, as you already mentioned. So that means more sunlight, more time to enjoy your destination. Yeah, And as you mentioned, bugs, I know you mentioned (laughs) specifically mosquitoes, but other bugs too, they are coming out. We are starting to see more bugs when springtime is here. But they're not out in full effect. Not like August. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's Big right. difference. That's right. And then, of course, there are some unique activities that take place in the spring mm-hmm. that you're not going to find other times of the year. So you have everything from cherry blossom festivals in Japan and the United States and Washington, D.C. But there are spring festivals all around the world in the Northern Hemisphere because spring is the awakening. It's the new birth. So along with so many other activities going on, it's just a beautiful time to be in the parks. Visualize yourself in Vienna or in Paris in the springtime. We talked about Tokyo, the cherry blossoms, but Washington, D.C., cities like even in the States, New York, Charleston, New Orleans, they come alive in the spring. It's beautiful. It certainly is. And this should have been right behind the weather and maybe even the crowds. It's less expensive. It's what we call the shoulder season. Shoulder season. Mm -hmm. So there are two shoulder seasons in the year, and they vary based on your destination. But spring is typically one, and fall is typically the other. So you're looking at April and May or anything before mid-June would be that shoulder season. So prices may be a little higher than winter because it's not low season, but they're not as high as the peak period or the summer period. And that means a better opportunity for you to get more for your dollar. It's also not the heavy summer season, but it's not the heavy business travel season either. Basically, if you can avoid spring breakers, you are going to have a better opportunity and savings on every place you go. Now, this is not always true. There are some Caribbean, Hawaii, and other destinations that just don't have a low season or a shoulder season. It's high price all the time. But for a lot of destinations, you're going to save quite a bit if you go during the spring. There may be some other advantages even to those places to travel in the spring that we'll talk about a little bit later. But, you know, the other thing that comes to mind when I think about spring is the spring cleaning. You know, Mm -hmm. we do it at home. We take our clothes out of hibernation. (laughs) We put away our winter clothes, take out our summer clothes. And then we also do the spring cleaning, open up the windows and the doors and get all the dust and do a heavy Let cleaning. Let the fresh air in. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to think of the same thing when you're thinking about travel and as it relates to your luggage. Now, you should clean your luggage at the end of every trip. Every but trip. in the event you're not, you definitely want to do a thorough luggage check. Because if you travel, especially a lot or just even a couple of times a year, 
you want to take stock in your luggage. You first want to find out has the condition of your luggage. Has your luggage been damaged? Is there wear and tear? You want to check the zippers, check the wheels. These are the things that get damaged the most, especially wheels. The liners and the pockets inside the luggage and then the handles because that's where we pull on it the most. And so you want to check these things because you don't want your bag to let you down while you're traveling. Especially as you prepare for that trip, you don't want to find out that that bag is no longer functional. And it's a good time. Prices are pretty good in the spring as they are in the winter for luggage. You can get a good price on there. But just think about all those people who didn't quite unpack and you find some surprises in your luggage clothes that were worn and maybe wet swimsuit that was put away and left in there, or even some food, a sandwich you forgot was inside the bag. So it might be time to replace that bag right now. (laughs) One thing, like I said earlier, is that you definitely should clean your luggage at the end of every trip, because just think about where it's been, how it's been handled, who's handled it. You have dirty clothes, dirty shoes, and all of that. Now, the two things regarding that is one, I travel with a laundry bag so that I can put my dirty clothes in the laundry bag and then they're kept away from my clean clothes. And it should be the first thing you unpack. And it's the first thing you unpack. And then secondly, I have shoe bags, even more important than laundry bags. You need to travel with shoe bags because think about everywhere you're walking, everything you've stepped on. You don't want to bring that home. You don't want to bring that home. And you certainly don't want it touching other things in your luggage. So invest in shoe bags. They're very inexpensive. You can even take plastic shopping bags if you don't want to buy shoe bags. Mm -hmm. But this way you can put your shoes in there and it's safe and away from your clothes. But when you unpack and certainly for spring cleaning, in the event you're not doing it every time, you want to clean those items. So your laundry bag should be laundered. Your shoe bags should also go through a cleaning as well. If they are not plastic and you can put them in the wash, you definitely want to do that. But let's talk about some other ways that you can thoroughly clean your luggage. One of the first things you want to consider when you come back and when you're checking your luggage, at all points, don't put your luggage on the bed at your destination, or when you first come home, because you don't want to bring home anything that then is infesting your bed, bed bugs or anything like that. You want to make sure that your luggage is clean. And when you bring it out of storage, open it up, clean it out, make sure everything's clean, spray it, whatever you need to do when you're checking it. And that's step number one. If you're living in a house, I think a lot of practices that we really thought about during the pandemic that made us just think a little bit more about sanitation, and that is bringing that bag in from outside. Yolanda, our healthcare professional, she always keeps her bag in, in the, the garage, garage That's right. for a few days before she brings it in Let the house. everything die. Just in <laughs> case, exactly. But spraying everything inside. And don't forget those liners and those pockets. That's right. Because we put things in there. So you want to wipe things down with sanitizing wipes. And make sure everything is clean and lay out everything and let it air out for a little bit. Just like you did when you first came home. Before your first trip, this is a great time to do that spring cleaning of your luggage, as Javon already mentioned. Lay it out. Check everything. And then check out before you start packing the clothes that you want to take with you. Because... They may have been in storage. You want to let them have some airing time, too, because they've been in winter storage for three or four months, too. Yes. And don't forget those packing cubes. If you're using packing cubes, you have to clean them individually Mm -hmm. as well. And then also those high touch surfaces like the handles, everything that you immediately touch handles, zippers, the locks, the luggage ties, the ties inside for your clothes, just like you do on the airplane. We learned a lot of this during COVID. We We truly did use those wet wipes or those sanitizing wipes on your luggage, even though you should have done that when you first unpacked and put it away. But do it again before you go. You don't want to take germs with you and you don't want to bring germs back home. Yeah, those disinfecting sprays. With wipes, you want to make sure that they're at least 60% alcohol. Alcohol Um, And so these are the things like your handles. Because I don't know if I told you that time I was in St. Lucia and... I was about to pack up to come home. I was at the hotel Mm -hmm. and I opened my luggage and something 
moved and I thought, what on earth is that? It was a lizard. And he didn't want to leave. I kept hitting the bag. He didn't want to leave. So I got one of the workers at the resort. It's like, can you please help me? They kind of laughed at me, but yeah, uh, can you help me get the, take it out the, the lizard out? And by this time, I thought maybe it was gone because I had left the room and few had gone to breakfast. And when I came back, nope, still he liked in there. The luggage. He liked it. Jamon does such a great <laughs> job sanitizing her bag. The gecko had made a home in her bag because it was so nice and clean. So that's one of the reasons why you want to keep it clean. But that's one of the reasons that you have to make sure. When you pack and you unpack, you're not bringing anything home with you or taking anything out of your house with you. So it's clean the inside, but also clean the outside of your bag. Wipe it down. It's dusty. It's dirty. And you want to make sure that you look good. You don't have to buy new luggage and you don't have to have expensive luggage, but you have to take care of what you have. Yeah. And yeah, you know, you can bring things home now. Fortunately, the lizard moved. But when I came back from breakfast, you know, he had gone up into one of the side pockets. <laughs> and so we thought he was gone. But when we turned the bag upside down, there he was again. I could only imagine if I came home and opened my luggage. He would have been dead. <laughs> <laughs> and he was still in there. 39,000 feet oh. and 40 degrees below, he would have been dead. So when you're spraying everything down, leave it open so that it can completely dry out before you store everything away. Another thing you want to take stock in, again, we're doing spring cleaning. So we want to clear out and restock our toiletry bag. Every time. I don't know if you're like me, but I do travel a lot. However, I think a lot of us have a toiletry bag that we keep in our luggage and Mm -hmm. we don't completely unpack everything that's in that toiletry bag. But this, again, is where you want to clear out and restock. Look for items that need to be thrown out. I know sometimes when I get back home, There's some things in there that was a good idea when I was at the hotel, but then I thought, nah, I'm not going to use that. It's a hotel product. So get rid of those things. Also, you want to replace or refill items that are low. So kind of check where you are. So what are some of those things that we want to check? Well, number one, you want to check and make sure you have enough deodorant, antiperspirant deodorant. I know it's spring. It's not hot yet, but you don't want to be overseas and not be able to find the version, the brand that you like. And nobody wants to be in close encounter with somebody who has forgotten or ran out of deodorant. So that's a big thing to start with. Toothbrush and toothpaste. Getting overseas. The first thing I always see with our groups, isn't this amazing? Everybody gets to the hotel and the first thing they call downstairs while we're at the desk is, do they have any toothpaste? Toothpaste should be number one on your list, even before deodorant that you want to have in there. Toothbrush, toothpaste, and floss. Floss. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's so true. Then, you know, you have your hair care products for the men. You want to make sure you have plenty of razors, not just one razor. And I'm not talking if it's temporary or refillable. You need to have replacements. You should be traveling like you're going to be gone for a month. Make sure you have enough shaving cream. But remember the 311 rule, nothing over three ounces, folks. In a lot of places you can buy more, but if you restock every time you come in, you're going to be in good shape. Now, some of the items for the ladies, Jerome, what other items should be? Well, certainly hair products. And for black girls like me, we have to have two sets of different products, depending on how we're doing our hair. If we're getting braids, of course, it's a lot less work. But if you have textured hair, then you have certain set of products versus if you're wearing your hair straight, you have different products. Now for me, because I'm natural, but I sometimes wear my hair straight, I always have to have both sets of products in my bag. So making sure you have your hair products and don't forget those hair ties. It's always a good idea to have a few hair ties and hairpins on board with you. Body products, skincare products. It's springtime, the sun's out, but even in the winter, you've got to have some sun protection. You want to have moisturizing cream, not just for your hair, but for your skin. So when you're out there, you have that. Most importantly, get rid of the old and expired items and don't overpack your items because at flight pressure and packed tight, these items will leak. So don't overpack. Now, just like your toiletry bag, you want to take stock and clear out when necessary your RX bag. Yes, I keep one packed just like a toiletry bag. I keep it packed and in my luggage so I don't have to think about it the next time I'm traveling. And I have my medicine or RX bag. So I make sure I have in there cold and flu medicine, cough drops or suppressants, antihistamines, decongestant, anything for diarrhea, like a mild laxative, antacids, motion sickness or medicine, 
pain reliever, fever reducer, anti-inflammatory, a sleep aid, antibacterial ointment or spray, band-aids, ace bandages, alcohol wipes, and blister protection or relief. You're doing a lot of walking. Hopefully you don't get new shoes because mm-hmm. you don't know how they wear. But in the event you do, or sometimes, you know, just with change in climate, you can get blisters. And then prescription, contact your doctor. I always make sure I have a prescription for ciprofloxin. For short, they call it Cipro. But in the event you have traveler's diarrhea and it's just persisting where it could eventually become a medical problem, this is a prescription that you'll have, but it really comes in handy in the event something happens or you have a foodborne illness. Now, these are the most important items to check the expiration dates on to make sure that you have the most current version and they're not expired. Check your levels, you know, how much you have and more importantly that they haven't expired as Jean just mentioned. Now on more to the fun stuff, the reasons why or where you want to go for your spring fling, your spring vacations, your spring destinations. We talked about why it's a great time to go during spring, but what are some of those great places? I always like to think of those destinations that I love, but I don't like them in the summer because it's way too hot and way too crowded and prices are higher. So those are the places that I really think of traveling to during lesser times or that shoulder season. And now we're talking about spring. Yeah. So some of the top ones that you should consider right off the top would be the Caribbean. You don't want to be in the Caribbean during the hot part of the summer when families are taking up every spot of the beach and the kids are jumping over you and splashing and everything like that. You want to truly enjoy yourself. You want to go in the spring. Hawaii, which we mentioned before, is another great destination like the Caribbean that you want to look at. Europe, totally. No one wants to be in Europe during a hot portion of the summer, right, Jamon? Well, it's crowded. Mm -hmm. A lot of families travel to Europe for summer vacation. So you're just going to deal with more children. And if you're of a certain age, you really just don't want to be around a lot of children relaxing at a pool and children are running around. It's not relaxing to you. Now, of course, if you have children of that age, that's different for you. But I'm talking about (laughs) those folks who either don't have children or are empty nesters and they're not with little ones. And especially if you want something that is just relaxing. I want to go back to the Caribbean because for me, when I'm at the beach or at the pool or just out and about and it's too hot, it's just not comfortable. it's not nice. And even if you're just sunning on the beach, you're still perspiring, and it's Mm -hmm. just too hot. We've seen people just getting burnt to a crisp, and we don't even understand what they're doing out there. They've left the suntan lotion at home, and they just want to get warm because spring is here, it's summer's here, and they just want to take advantage of it. Another thing to look at, though, is the time you travel has a lot to do with the foliage that you're going to see. And traveling to a lot of these great destinations in spring, it's far better than any other time of the year. We mentioned cherry blossoms in a number of countries from Japan to South Korea to the United States, but there's beautiful foliage all over the world in the spring, right? There certainly is. So yes, in those winter months, whales are coming to warmer waters to mate and also to give birth. So some places you can go where you can catch some really great whale watching during the spring, that's Dominican Republic, Portugal, Argentina, Chile, and Canada, and Greenland. Because again, spring is different at different times of the year in different places. Bird watching is another great springtime activity, like in the United States, because As the flowers are in bloom, so are the birds. They're coming back from flying south. They're coming back to some of their more homelands or territory. The Netherlands, Spain, Costa Rica, and Peru. These are great places if you're into bird watching. And let's not forget some of those springtime festivals. India has a lot of festivals, but springtime is a time where they do have a lot of festivals. Thailand, Switzerland, Guatemala, Spain. Poland and in Mexico as well. It's also a great time to get out into the national parks in the United States. Again, these are places that get very crowded in the summer. Yes. And if you're overnighting, if you're camping, finding availability, 
the rates are higher in the summer and it's less availability. Yeah. Yeah. The national parks have become some of our top destinations in the United States. And the waiting list to get in some of these parks is terrible in the summertime. So spring is a great time to visit them too. Yeah, it is. And the South in the United mm-hmm. States, one of my favorite destinations too, actually in the United States are in the South. And I have been in July and August and cannot stand no. it. All I'm looking for is air conditioning. And that's Charleston and New Orleans. But Florida, too, is one of those destinations. It's hot fun in the summertime, but I'm usually out more at night when the sun goes down or I'm looking for AC during the day because it's just so hot. So spring is a great time to go to the south in the United States. So true. And that includes also the areas of the West Coast and the Southwest. A lot of these destinations are so nice and so beautiful, even the desert in the spring is a lot nicer than in the winter or in the summer season. So these are some great destinations. And we already mentioned Europe. It's not crowded yet. It's beautiful. Everything is so much nicer. Yeah. When I come back, I have the Culture Report. I'm Javon Harley, the Traveling Culturati on Sirius XM 141 HUR Voices. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website. It's TravelingCulturati.com. And when you're there, you can peruse, but don't forget to join the Travel Club because we go to some fantastic places. And in true Traveling Culturati style, it's an immersive cultural experience. Talking about culture, this is the Culture Report. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. Chatting with me today is Susan Whiting, chair on the board of the Women's History Museum. Hello, Susan, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hello, Javon. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, absolutely. And I was super excited. I do have to ask a question, though, because years ago, I was in Dallas, and actually for the show, I specifically went to Dallas and visited the Women's Museum in Dallas. Is there any affiliation after they closed? That's a great question. No, there is not. But what you've pointed out is the fact that we need to have a museum, or many museums and many organizations that focus on women's contributions to American history. But after that closed, the National Women's History Museum I think simultaneously was working in Washington, D.C. to do a similar thing. And really starting with moving a very famous statue of the three women suffrage leaders into the Capitol Rotunda to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment, they said, we really need more than a statue, we need a place. And they began a long (laughs) process of fundraising and lobbying to build a museum in Washington, D.C. that would represent women's accomplishments. And so in that process, because it was long, they built a very practical website to gather biographies and to put together exhibits and to provide a resource for everybody who was looking for women's stories and women's contributions to American history. And then began a set of different kinds of events called Women Making History in both Los Angeles and in Washington, D.C. to focus on some of those women, people you might know and people you really didn't. Think of the hidden figures kind of stories with Katherine Johnson. They were really ahead of their time, if you think about it, and providing resources that people could access all over the country. And so right now, the National Women's History Museum is the leading cultural institution for women's history by doing this online and by having biographies and virtual exhibits and special panel discussions and all kinds of programming from book clubs to cultural events and music online. But we always have wanted to have also a place where people could gather 
And COVID slowed that down a little bit, but I'm really excited to tell you, and the timing is perfect, that we have just opened our first physical exhibit at the Martin Luther King Jr. Library in Washington, D.C. That is Washington, D.C.'s central library, and it's a beautiful Ms. Vanderow building. And we opened last Thursday, actually, on March 30th, an exhibit called We Who Believe in Freedom, Black Feminist DC. And it is an exhibit focusing particularly on 10 women, but it really covers 20 women who lived in DC, whose lives and work over the last 100 years, not only affected people in Washington, D.C. and Black women, but actually all women, and in fact, all of us in the United States through some of the groundbreaking work they did in civil rights and in the arts and in all kinds of things that created legal positions that actually have had a much larger impact beyond Washington, D.C. So that exhibit is free. It's in the library. So we add that to our virtual Absolutely. And we didn't establish that in the beginning, that the National Women's History Museum is an online museum right now. But as you said, it's in the works of developing a brick and mortar. But of course, those things take time. And I'm glad that there is at least that presence online. But if you can say for me, what makes it an online museum versus a website? What is that difference? So the difference is we actually have curators and historians and educators on our staff and in our advisors who curate exhibits. So they are online exhibits. So it might be on women in sports and include everything from the history of Title IX, all kinds of figures back in time. But they're curated just as an exhibit that you would see as you walked into a physical location. And we have virtual field trips that we do for schools. We produce educational material for teachers, lesson plans, etc. So it has both the historical and academic background around specific exhibits. We also do have some small collections. And for example, at this new exhibit we just opened last week, there's also a very interesting, powerful piece of art that is called the Glass Ceiling Breaker sculpture. And it is a glass portrait of Vice President Kamala Harris by a Swiss artist, Simon Berger. And it is actually very, very large, but it's shattered glass that really is her portrait. And it was all about her shattering the glass ceiling. So that is actually in the same space the new exhibit is that you can go in and visit at the library. And we have a very different idea about how to be in a physical space than some other museums. And I can only imagine that starting with the online presence and then parlaying that into some physical spaces and or items is probably a very different thing. And it sounds like there's much more intention and thought about that than it would be on the reverse that we have a physical space and we need a website that will represent that and provide people with that information. And I want to go back to your first exhibit and physical space that you were speaking about. What was the idea about that particular exhibit to be the first? That's a great question. So COVID changed so many of us and the way we think about everything from work and our lives and everything else. And as we have this very strong digital presence. We have over 5 million visitors to our website. It's very well attended from all over the country and the world, actually. But we did want a place. And what we started to think about was we wanted really to be in a community center, in a place where it was accessible to everybody and inviting. And at the same time, the Martin Luther King Jr. Library had just been renovated. It is the central library. It's in a fantastic location in Washington, D.C. for visitors and for residents. And they needed not-for-profit groups to come in and help them fill the space. And we thought, well, here's a perfect match. And so we became the museum in residence at the library, which has everything from storytelling areas and podcast spaces to auditoriums and places to hold meetings and panels. And so because it is the Martin Luther King Jr. Library, and it's a very special building for that reason, and because we are the National Women's History Museum, we said this exhibit must be about Black women. And when we started to really pull back 
we realized no one had done an exhibit about Black women feminists. And so that really started our two curators, Dr. Sherry Randolph and Dr. Kendra Field, who are already experts in this area, into their work with scholars from all over the country to build this exhibit, which has women whose names you probably have not heard of, but others you might have, like Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton, who is alive and is working very hard today. And so that's why we picked the topic. That's why we're in that location. And the idea is to actually take this model and go to other cities and working in collaboration with organizations in other cities, you know, put on different exhibits that highlight women who you do not know, who have national and local impact. That's awesome. And I think that it's really giving you that as its name suggests, that national appeal. And by having this online presence first as a museum, being able to have those installments in other places. And yes, I do know who Eleanor (laughs) Holmes Norton is because I'm originally from Washington, D.C. So yes, (laughs) so it is a name that's very familiar to me. And I hadn't really thought of it. I am an African-American woman and, of course, followed a lot of Black history, but not really thinking about it in the lane of Black feminism, because so much of the work that African-Americans have done for equal justice and women as well has always been that collective kind of effort and not specifically in a feminist lane. And although I know there have been times throughout history, as you said, the story just hadn't been told. I also saw on your website, I thought it was very interesting, as an upcoming event, the Brave Girls virtual story time, Brianna Marches Through Time. Very interesting. Tell us about that. Yes, we've been having a great time really with the book. We call them ours. Or this started during COVID because we were used to producing programs, obviously, digitally. But so many people needed resources for homeschooling, adults who were at home who really needed something else to think about and learn. So we started producing Brave Girl Story Hour and getting different authors to read their books or others to read those books. And this is another thing where in collaboration with libraries, we can really do a lot. So we can live stream a book hour in a library, but we can also have the author reading So that's been very popular, but we do that for adult books too. So there are other programs as well. I love the online museum. Thank you so much for bringing everything to light. So again, let's give the website and certainly membership information because all museums need that. Thank you so much. So we are the National Women's History Museum. Our website is womenshistory, all one word, .org. And you can join as a member for $35. Just come explore. You don't have to be a member to use the website. We are totally privately funded. So it's always helpful when people want to support us. And every single dollar goes toward the programming. So I'm just so pleased that you've allowed us to describe what we do. And you're right. For us, women's history (laughs) is every day, not just in the month of March. So it's great to be talking about this in April. Absolutely. And you have some wonderful events coming up in April, starting with Brave Girls Virtual Storytime. And I love Storytime. I absolutely love Storytime. The National Women's History Museum presents Women's Reflection on the Pandemic, Women's History Book Club, Lifting as We Climb, and then, of course, the first week in May, Virtual Workshop for Educators, C3 Framework for Social Studies and Historical Empathy. So again, Susan, thank you so much for joining me today. Looking forward to perusing more. Thank you very much. It was our pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen.